0: Hello and welcome to Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. Each week, you'll join Messiah's Upper Room Bible study class led by Pastor Jim Oddy. This week, we continue our series over the Gospel of John. Enjoy.
1: All right, so notice uh, I put some artwork on your your study guide. I prefer my artwork up on the board, of course, but uh, uh, although that doesn't quite look like my artwork anymore. The handwriting doesn't look like mine for sure. Okay, well let me start with. I kind of de- I'm gonna start doing this kind of every time, although I'm not gonna write on the board so much like someone else did. Um, how's your world? How's your world? Better, worse, same? Stressful, busy, busy world. Oh yeah, because you started. Did you start school this? Uh,
2: we start on uh, September eighth, but teachers are starting to come back, and it's it's a little hectic around campus right now.
1: Yeah. So, Philip, remind everybody what you do.
2: I am the tech support specialist for a for a private school
1: in, in East Dallas. Yeah. Um, Episcopal? An Episcopal school? Episcopal, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a lot of panicky people coming up to you, saying.
2: Uh, especially since during this time we have we're mostly going to have in like. Uh, physical students in person starting on on the eighth yeah Uh, but we do have voluntary uh, remote learners as well so the teachers trying to figure out during this time how they're going to be able to develop their curriculum to teach both the physical students all and then also at the same time the virtual students in their classroom uh, while also maintaining social distancing and all that is is a little uh anxiety inducing for them
1: it's just mind-boggling yeah. Wow. And so then you're the guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just what I was saying before. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, well we'll be thinking about you and praying for your sanity on that. Okay, how's your world? Chuck, how's your world?
2: I'm retired. Everything's great.
1: Let's not talk to Chuck anymore. Well, but are you busier? Retired people I always say that they say, "Oh, I'm busier now than ever before." Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not here, busy. Cooking.
2: Cooking and going out for my morning walks every morning.
1: That is just terrible. I. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. You've earned that. How's your world? And he lined it. Do what? He lined it. Trying to learn. <laughs> good. That's good. Pick up a hobby. Yeah. Good. How's your world? World's good? Yeah, manageable? Yeah? How's your world? Good? Okay. All right, so it's good, to, it's good for us to think about that from, that from the perspective of that how your world is and how the world is might be two different things, you know? And that's one of the things that being grounded or grafted to the vine, that's a difference it can make. It seems to me that one of the things that's going on for a lot of people today is that that those people that are grounded or even using the word grafted, maybe that's the word we'll just keep using, is that it it affords a certain peace. It doesn't mean that you have peacefulness all the time, but it does mean that there is a sense of that in spite of everything going on all around, the chaos, the uncertainty, the... Uh, how are we going to teach and do connectivity and oh the internet went down and I lost my you know place in line and all that kind of stuff is that there's something about being grafted and then strengthening the graft each day in the word is that it sort of brings a I don't know. Is the word "calm"? Is that is that the word that we want to use? A, a sense of that. I don't have to worry about that. Maybe is that maybe a way to say that? Um, I was talking to one of our uh, one of our elders this morning uh, before church. a uh, Good guy, and he was saying that that one of the things that he has done and started to do, and maybe has been doing it for some time, is spending every day, some part of every day, in the Word. And, and not just in a sort of, oh, I have to get through it sort of way, you know, how sometimes, we put ourselves on a schedule. My goal is to read the Bible in an entire, you know, week. And so then uh, I have to read like 18 chapters a day. And, oh, my gosh, I got behind, so now i got to jam it in there. I mean, that's kind of what ends up happening sometimes. And he said he used to do that, but he doesn't do that anymore. He said, I just dig into the Word every day. And he said what's amazing about it is is that it it, it goes in here in his head and then the piece that passes all understanding goes all the way down to his feet and then it comes all the way back up to his head. And that it and he has kind of a chaotic job, or at least a stress, stressful job. And and but in spite of all that there's this sense of all is well with my soul kind of thing, thinking about that hymn. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And so that tells us that when Jesus talks about this idea of abide in me, you know, that the vine, that the branch is grafted to the vine and that as long as that graft is secure, which he makes it, the the branch doesn't make it secure, the vine does. But as long as that branch is secure and fed and there's this seamless thing going back and forth between the branch and the and the vine, then Th- then all is well But if you sever that or weaken it Then a bunch of other stuff gets in the way And then all of a sudden worry starts to fill you And uncertainty And, and just kind of this feeling of sort of dangling in space Yeah Psalm 33, Psalm 33. Okay, I'm going to put that up here Psalm 33. Okay, let's add that to our list. Okay, good. Psalm 33. Great. Good. Anybody else have any scriptures that have been speaking to you lately besides that one? Okay. Well, if you think of any, just say, hey, I got one, and we'll put it up uh, Put it up on the board. Okay, so... A uh, little review, and, and again, this is, the other thing that we've been talking about that I wanted to um, remember to do, is that, you know, we've also been talking about this idea of the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship. And it's kind of neat that when you look at it that way, that's what we have here. We have the vine is the, is the vertical and the branch is the horizontal, okay? And so we're reminded that the vertical has to do with, um, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. As that all comes to me, right? There I am, right? And then wh- how I live that out in my life with other people is that horizontal relationship. And so a lot of people today are attempting to, li- to live a horizontal relationship without the vertical strength that it takes in order to sustain that. See, that's the problem is if I, if I sever this and I say, well, that's not that important. What's really important is how I live my life with other people. What will be the source of the strength to do that when this gets hard? And this is hard to do. I mean, it would be hard to do anyway, but now with all the unrest and COVID and everything, This is a real challenge to do. So, see, the source of the strength to do that has to come from outside of me. Because if I just try to do it on my own, eventually I won't be able to do it. Eventually it will wear me out, or I'll just have to stop doing it. Okay? So that's kind of the thinking here a little bit. So, remember the verse from uh, uh, Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, from John 15 I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. And then verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. We're always thinking in terms of vertical and then, uh, and then horizontal. So the notes at the bottom, the vine is the source of life. Notice he says, whose joy? My joy, isn't that kind of nice? That the joy that we share is actually Jesus's joy. Because it's kind of hard at times for us to muster our own joy. But if what's required of me or what this compels me to do is share Jesus's joy, that's kind of nice because we know that's an unending, uh, uh, there's an unending source for that. And then the branch is the receiver of life and the extender for uh, the fruit that you're then going to share with the world. And remind us again what the fruit is. What's the fruit? And he calls it the fruit. Jesus refers to it as the fruit of repentance. Okay? So what, what, are, we, what are we talking about when we talk about fruit? What's the fruit? Hmm? Remember what, he's, what, remember what in the book of Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit is... Okay, love, joy, patience. patience. Oh, we should put that in capital letters, right? Okay, love, joy, peace, patience. What else? Kindness. 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 We'll just put these out here. Faithfulness. Goodness. Goodness. Faithfulness and goodness. And What's the last one? Yeah, I'm gonna put that one next to patience because those two go together We'll put the easiest ones down here, okay, Uh, let's see oh yeah self-control Okay, there we go got it. Okay, so my question is um, My question is What uh, who or what situations need your fruit? you have some situations right now in life that need your fruit? Hmm. Everything and everyone? Yeah, that's a good generic Lutheran answer. That's excellent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's just kind of something to think about. All right. But here's the second one. In what ways might you have to repent in order to share your fruit? See, sometimes I think that we get a bit selective with sharing our fruit and we think, well, you know, there's only really certain people that I'm going to share my fruit with. And that's usually going to be the people that will either, it'll be easier for me to do that with, or there will be some blessing coming back to me in the form of they are doing it to me. So, uh, for example, if you're kind to me, I'm willing to do what? Be kind to you. And if I keep on being kind to you, and then you are intermittently kind to me. So now the ratio of how much I am giving kindness versus how much you're giving kindness, you know, the the balance beam there is a little off. And so eventually what might happen is that I might have to cut back on my kindness so that we can make it even in terms of the kindness that you're feeding me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I might have to repent of that. See, what does repent mean? It means a change of... Yeah, that's right. It's a change of heart and a change of mind, which leads to a change of behavior. So it's always about... the. It's, about a, it's an act of faith, and it's part of our faith life to be involved in repenting. So it, it, it's amazing to me how easy it is, even, for the, sinful na- the effect of the sinful nature to infect this. Right? How easy it is to think in terms of that the fruit of the Spirit is a commodity and the idea of a commodity is is that we're going to have a transaction and if you do for me, I'll do for you and I'll do for you and you do for me. And as long as we both keep our uh, agreement in the transactional contract, then we will be okay. But see, the problem is what happens... If one of us, namely you, falls short, <laughs> then what, what does that mean? Yeah, Bob. Uh, I would just like to add
2: that this is the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. It is not my patience, not my goodness, not my anything. It is the Spirit working through me.
1: That is correct. And
2: so it isn't for me to say I can
1: withdraw it because it's not mine to start. This is true, but I can sure get in the way. Yeah, and that's kind of the point I'm making. Yeah, yeah. Because if I keep getting in the way, which is going to be my sinful nature instinct to do that, I'm going to turn this into something that is beneficial to me, and it because it feels good, feels good to me, um, then that's what I'm aiming to do. Yeah. Let's see who else. Somebody else had their. Oh, yeah, Ellen. Is gentleness? Do we skip that one? Hmm. That was probably a little Freudian moment right there that I skipped it, okay? <laughs> gentleness. Pretty important right now. <laughs> it's rather risky, isn't it? Yeah, to be to be someone with a gentle spirit because you're likely to get run right over, okay? So I think sometimes with gentleness... Um, w- not that you have to be selective, but maybe we have to be what Jesus said, as innocent as doves and as wise as snakes. A snake knows when to duck back in the hole. Okay? He probably could have said as, as dumb as doves because doves aren't very smart animals. Okay? All right. Yeah, thank you for, for adding that. Okay. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's keep on going. So then Jesus says in verse 12 and following... And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. All right, so he starts out with, this is my commandment that you what? Love one another. Okay, is that vertical or horizontal? It's horizontal. You love one another. As what, as I, in the vertical, have loved you. So the key word here, or the hinge word, if you want to use that, like a door hinge, this all swings on the little word as. As. That's a pretty important word. Two-letter word, as. Put it up on the board. So what does as mean? If we if as he's loved us we're to love each other. Okay. What does as mean? In the same way as part of it. So we think of it from that perspective, okay, I'm so I'm to love as Jesus loved. Well, okay, how did Jesus love? Well, the ultimate was was that he what? Greater love has no man than what? He laid down his life. All right. Now, Jesus literally laid down his life, like physically laid down his life, which we could be called to do. I mean, you read some of these stories about somebody going in and helping somebody, you know, and then somebody else comes along and starts whooping up on them. And we saw that in the news this past week. So it literally could be that that literally could happen. But we want to talk also about the fact that there's other ways that you might have to lay down your life, at least in the form of giving up of some aspect of you that's dear to you and that you think you can't live without and that you would be willing to lay that down for somebody that you care about. But let's go back to that word as. So how did Jesus love besides the fact that he laid down his life? How does Jesus love? Uh, Okay, unconditionally, what does that mean? that we don't have to do anything to earn his love. And regardless of how we act, he's still going to love us. Same today as he did before, same in the future. Yeah. Do you think that God ever gets tired of that? Of, of loving us? Yeah. No. You don't think he gets tired of loving us? He might get frustrated. Oh. <laughs> okay, tired would mean fatigued, and he's all-powerful, so he doesn't get fatigued. So. Right. Might, yeah. I think he might get sad. Like do you ever think God might say, are they ever going to get it? You know, like that? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's tempting to put human stuff on G- on God and that's bad to do, but but it's kind of fun to think about that way. All right, so so where else can you remember that the little word as is used in a significant way in something that Jesus said? Lord's prayer. Yeah, what does it say?
0: Forgive others as, as uh, Jesus
1: has forgiven us. So, I didn't mean to put you on the spot totally on that, but I thought of all things, maybe you, you, and you got it. I mean, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Okay. So that little word as, all right. So it does mean in the same way, but there's more to it because what it also means is while I am at the same time doing this. So what Jesus is saying is, is, is love one another while I am at the same time loving you. It's a continue action. It's not like, oh, I loved you, by the way, five million years ago, and then, you know, just count on it now. No, it's, it's that the loving that God does for us is continuous action. And so... He then is saying, "As I am continuously actioning my love for you, then you are continuously actioning your love for each other." That's what he's talking about when he says the word "as." And again, 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 kind of again goes back to Bob's point: is that whose love is it? It's his. Right, it's his. This this is a. it, It is a fruit of the spirit, right? It is love. It is. It is. It is that. And so, as the source continues to feed me, then the source can flow from me. So it's not my love in that sense. It's his love. But again, I can sure get in the way. And usually, when we get in our own way, or we get in God's way, in that sense, it's usually because there's something. That we're looking at and saying, well, when do I get mine? And the joy of this is, at least in terms of the vertical relationship, you get yours every single day. There's no stopping what you get from God. But when it comes to the horizontal, yeah, there's plenty of times when stoppage occurs. Right? Either from me or from you. Yeah. I
2: heard it referred to one time, I think it was something that I read where they were kind of giving you a comparison. I
1: mean, I know everybody knows what PVC pipes are. PVC pipe, yeah, PVC, yeah. And they said, they considered, they said PVC as in a powerful vertical connection. And I was like, oh, I hadn't ever thought of it that way. <laughs> they just kind of grouped it all together and said, we have a very powerful, positive... So, like, where do you come up with these things? This is... I mean, you know, I know, but you you like share those things, and then it's like, wow, that's pretty awesome. Okay, so let's put that up there. We'll put it over here. Pow PVC. That reminds me, I have to stop by Home Depot on the way home today. So, powerful. Okay, what? T- tell me again. Powerful. Vertical connection. Vertical. Oh, that's cool. I like that connection.
2: I hear people crying.
1: Did I miss it?
2: Everybody's going, going hey, See,
1: look, you want to come up here and do this? Come on, come on. I, okay, let's see. I'm having a hard time. Which one of those right now? God is filling, <laughs> let's see. God is filling me with his patience. He, God filled me with it. But I don't want to share any of it with you. That's for sure. All right. What if I just leave it that way? How about that? That Yeah, and then any of you that are like so weak inside, you can't handle it. How about that? Look at that right there. There you go. Smarty, smarty. Show you guys. Yeah, you know, sometimes I have uh, like principle and principle. And I have to walk myself through the, you know, from fourth grade. Okay, you know, I see Mrs. Ingram, my English teacher, right in front of me, and she's saying, it's L-E, not A-L. Okay, so I have to do that. Yeah, okay, very good. So, so again, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, which also may include, next page, that you sacrifice yourself for the sake of the relationship. Oh, boy. See, that's this idea of being willing to lay down your life. What Jesus was, did, he, he did it physically. He laid down his life, knowing that he would be uh, raised from the dead. But nonetheless, boy, to give up your own life. You, may, you and I may not be required to do that for the sake of sharing the gospel with somebody. But there may be some parts of us that we might have to risk in order to do that. So I just listed a few things. Like your expectations of how you think life ought to be. Maybe your rights. Maybe you have the right to something, but for the sake of the relationship, including the idea of sharing the gospel with somebody, that you might, you might have to sacrifice that. Okay, Or what you think you deserve. Oh, that's a tough one. Or just what about conveniences? I talked to, uh, talked to somebody yesterday, great Lutheran girl. She's Lutheran her whole life. She went through the whole thing, you know, baptized, confirmed, the whole thing. And so I've been doing this lately. I've been asking uh, people, um, how's your worship life, given the realities now of COVID and all those kinds of things? And we talked about it a little bit, and she said, well, I, I go to a Zoom Bible study on Wednesdays with a group at the uh, church that's near where she is, Lutheran, Lutheran Church. And then on uh, Sundays, she goes to a different Lutheran Church, the one that she grew up in, which is also in kind of in the area. Um, and she said, but you know, really, actually, what I really like the most is watching service in my jammies. Okay, I think that's a new reality for a lot of people. And I'm wondering how many people or what percentage of people now, because it's been long enough for new habits to have formed, for the idea of gathering in like person, not gathering like on a Zoom meeting or something like that. How much of that is convenience-driven versus truly the fear of gathering and then getting COVID or whatever would be the thing. I don't know the answer to that. Um, it's hard for me as somebody who is a pastor and for the number of years that I've been a pastor and all of my life pastoring and then all of my life growing up as a PK. And so like, you know, I, when I was adding up the other day, the number of times I've been in church the scale is, so whenever it is that I retire, which will probably be like 20 or 30 years from now, so I won't, I could be unchurched totally and it will never catch up, okay? So that, but, but you think about it, when, when your whole life has been the, how we define uh, church life is that we gather on Sunday morning, together. And I wonder, I just wonder, it's hard not to be a little judgmental about it, frankly, but (laughs) this new reality for people and the ability for us to uh, live stream stuff out and and send it out and Facebook and the whole thing, which I love, and which so good that we're finally doing it because we're reaching, you know, tens of millions of people are tuning in on our service on Sunday morning and this podcast but it has increased the convenience factor, and it now makes it easier to stay home in your jammies
0: and read coffee. That's the other thing.
1: During church, they never let us do that before. Now we can. So here's what I. So here's what I asked her, because she's a thirty-something. She's in kind of that age group, single, single woman. Um, I said. Are you participating, or are you listening? And she said, "Well, you mean like am I singing the hymns while I'm you know whatever?" And she said, no she said i'm 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 listening, and I think something's getting lost here. I just think it is i can't I can't condemn it because i I get it, right that you know the fear of catching something, and that could be, but I wonder then if maybe part of what we have to do is talk to people about if you're going to do this, how do you make it participative and engaging from the per- point, from the point of view of the person who's tuning in and the neat and the thing about tuning in is you can tune out and and of course, Lord knows we do that in church, right, of course. <laughs> Well, right, do you? Yeah. Yes, after the sermon, everybody's brain goes click, and some people maybe during, right? But, okay, that's what you do, but the point is you're there. See, you're there physically, you're there bodily, so if you're there and your brain turns off, you're still there. But when you're at home, what happens? It's just to, you tune out, and, and then something else. It's just that easy. So, you know, I personally, as a pastor, have not figured out what to do with that. I don't quite know how to address it. But here's what I've been so tempted to do. I will confess that to you because you know that I'm irreverent and this would be a perfect way to do that, okay? Is when I'm standing up front and, uh, and we do the, you know, the readings, I do the readings, and then I, at the end of the readings, I'll say, um, join me as we, I always use the word boldly or whatever, boldly confess our faith in the Apostles' Creed. I'm so tempted to look into the camera and say, and you at home stand up for the creed and, Amen. you know, I really am. And I, but you know, I don't want to, I mean, well, I kind of want to, but. Maybe I'll wait till Sunday when Pastor Coleman's not here. Maybe that's when I'll do it. But you know, it, because it's just when you're at home and the convenience of something, it just makes it easier to be casual. And I'm okay with people dressing casually in church. That doesn't bother me a bit at all. But casual at home and casual out in public at church is two different casuals. And I just get concerned that there's something being lost. But like I said, I don't really know yet how to address it. Yeah, Scott.
2: Well, it's kind of like our neighbor, I gotta give him credit. He gets up and gets his coat, tie, and everything on to watch church. His family gets
1: dressed
2: for church.
1: They get dressed for church and then they're watching church. I think
2: that's awesome. Wow. I kind of partially participate because I sing the hymns and I say the creeds in these days. But
1: if you're
2: getting up and down, there's a good chance you're going to spill biscuits and gravy the <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so you flip Did you hear what he said? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, see that, but you, but if you're going to lay down your life for your friend, then you should risk that, you know. There you have lay down your biscuits and gravy, put them down, and then, yeah. Do you do, is what I'm saying resonate with you at all? I mean, it really, is, it, it this this is from the heart. I I am noticing this. I'm having conversations about it, so I'm not afraid to bring it up with people. But um, I think we're getting a little lost in the uh, casualness of it. And again, I, you know me. Uh, I chafe against total formality, you know, when things have to be, oh, a certain way, you know, that kind of thing, that bugs me too. But I think we're, that pendulum is swinging way over here. And um, given how easy it is for all of us to do what we're doing, I don't know how, the longer it stays over there, that's what I wonder about. Yeah, Bob. I just like to
2: say, in, in Scripture it warns us, do not neglect the communion Saints,
1: yeah, in Hebrews. The yeah, to that's right. Worship. That's right. Because, do what? Yeah. Although it's nice if it holds our attention. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but but it but it there is that standing in the presence of this God that is like a fire, and you kind of lose a little bit of that when you're standing there in your jammies, and then you're not even standing. So yeah.
0: Well, if you figure it out, let me know, because I have the
1: same problem with Yeah, I, I don't know how to address it yet. I, th- I mean, it used to be that things were more clear-cut. You could just say, hey, you're not there, be there. I mean, not that I would say it that way, but it still is, is that idea that there's great value and, and tremendous spiritual growth comes from the fact that you are there and others see you there. So we're missing a third to a half of that, and what are they missing out on? I don't know. I mean, see, I don't know. I don't. I haven't figured that out yet. But I want you to know, I'm thinking about it and pretty habits significantly. Are habits are
2: part of what gets me to every Sunday because
1: I. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And, and so that habit. hmm Yeah. Well, it takes about. It takes usually about four weeks of sustained, consistent behavior for something to go from intermittent to kind of a habit. And now we're in how many months of COVID and how many months of, of uh, staying away, which I get it initially we all needed to, or at least we had to figure out what we're doing. And, and you know, how do you stay open and stay safe? All those things. But I am getting the feeling that there's more going on than just that. And I think convenience... It's inconvenient to come to church on Sunday morning. For those of us that live in Arlington, it's really inconvenient to, uh, to do that, okay? But that's part of the sacrifice that you do for the sake of the relationship. For the sake of each other, for the sake of your relationship with Jesus, that's what you do. And so, okay, it, how does that all fit in? Okay, so i just let you know that I think about that stuff and, uh, cause I observe stuff and I watch and I see how's this impacting us. And then in what way should we respond? And maybe it's just going to be, how do you do worship at home? For some people, maybe that'll be, maybe we have to come out with a guide of some kind for worship at home, a bulletin, whatever. And then here are the rubrics you know, in seminary they never taught us the rubrics for worshiping at home. They just never did. Okay. Well, now we have to figure out what that is, and maybe that's how we have to do it. You know, maybe we should give some thought to that. Okay, All right? I have a jammy service. Yes. That's what? I have a jammy Sunday. Everybody can come to church and jam. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see which one of these now.
2: Self. <laughs>
1: Self control, yeah, I think you know, some I'm trying to think where does irreverence fit in there? I think wear a, rug, just make it a bathroom. <laughs> you you are I'm being serious and you guys are killing the mood right now, so just for that, we're gonna go on and on here. But do you get I mean, does it make sense? I mean, convenience in our society is huge. And that may be a bigger deal than conviction. And you ask people to give up their convictions, they'll say, okay, that's great, because there's no such thing as truth anyway. You say, give up your convenience, now we're going to have a war. And I think that that's some of what's going on here. Come to my mind, and I don't understand it enough on Zoom and all, but do you reach a point where you snatch this ability away from people? And they have to come to church. This streaming or whatever you call it. You snatch it, it away from them. them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and like we it. say that it's for your own good. Do what now? There's say no that.
2: possibility or forget it. It's already the word. You can't do that
1: anymore. Well, I mean, we could do anything. You know, the grid could go down and we'd be forced to. Um, but... Um,
2: options. Options. <laughs> right. <Yeah. Would> you <laughs> that
1: well, I mean, I don't see the value of that from the point of view that it really does go out to tens of millions of people are watching our thing. I, so there, the gospel has a way of going out. I, 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 think that's an important, significant thing to do. So I would hate to see giving up, given that up what I would rather see is let's talk about, let, let's accept the reality that a third of our folks, and it kind of tends to be in a certain age group, a third of our folks probably aren't going to come back on a regular basis. I'm not going to make any judgment about that. I'm not going to be happy about that, but I'm not going to judge a person's uh, spirituality on the basis of that, okay? But if that's true then what can we do, what can I do pastorally to strengthen the worship life of somebody who is at home by choice, not because they're a shut-in and they can't get to church? It's kind of a different gig if you're a shut-in because every one of those people are saying, we miss church and we miss the communion and we wish that you could come see us, but you can't. I mean, that's a different thing when people hit that sort of time in life. But that isn't what I'm seeing here. And so that's where I think, okay, if that's the reality, maybe it is. Maybe I just have to accept it because, you know, child of the 50s here. Okay, let's figure out what to do with that. And not just make people feel guilty for not coming to church. Yeah, I, I certainly want people to feel guilty for not coming to church. That's right. I do. I do. Because I think guilt can be a good little thing. But, but, not, but at the same time... I'm not going to make a blanket thing and say all people that are s- staying away, you know, I'm not going to do that because that's not true. But maybe there's a way for us to think about that. Yeah.
0: Grandson will listen to the service at a today. Yes. And I said, good, I'll be in church and thinking about you.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, because he's having to stand straight. <laughs> he's probably is standing up. He probably is, and he's probably got some upperclassmen yelling in his ear about how he made his bed or something like that, yeah.
0: But I think that's great
1: that he can be... See, and, and, and we, we could not do that before. See, we could not do that before. And so this is a way to maintain contact with people that, with whom went away, and then we didn't have a way to do that. See, we'd send out DVDs, but pff, that's not like real time, yeah. So I don't want to lose that. But I, I am concerned about this other part of it. Uh, yeah.
2: Fellowship. One thing that brings me is the fellowship.
1: Yeah. And when my kids were
0: little, you know, having them see other kids.
1: Mm-hmm. You can't see other kids when you're at home. So, so. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe, Philip, here's what we could do, Maybe is maybe we could remotely turn on everybody's camera in their house. (laughs) You know? I mean, Google does it all the time. Why not Messiah Lutheran Church, you know? And then we could have a split screen and then just randomly, Pastor Coleman on one side, and then whoever at home is listening on the other side. And it would just be, you know, moments of that. What do you think about that idea? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Phil.
2: Well, I mean, in, in terms of trying to force people to come back, you know, to church, I mean, in uh, now that we already have, you know, live streaming of services, I mean, that, the cat's out of the bag on that. The train has left the station. Like, that's, like, as you mentioned earlier, that's a new reality. If we... If we stop our church service streaming, uh, people may just find another streaming uh, church elsewhere. Right. You know, it's not changing that type of behavior. Right. I, I think right now, this puts the church in a in a unique position to uh, really embrace uh, some some innovation, some new creative thinking on how can we have our church body be more participatory. Participatory, even if they are in a remote environment.
1: No, see, I'm with you totally on that. So we're not gonna, not gonna do away with it, but we have to rethink how do you do a connection with people if you don't have a physical connection with people. And that's that's the hard part. I think a lot of schools are dealing with that too, and teachers. And well, how do I teach if I don't am not right there? And uh, my wife's a tutor, and she's trying to figure out how do you tutor math. Where you the, you have to see the students work and the students' face at the same time, because the face will tell you if they're getting it or not. And so, how do you do that? And so, that's like all new. It's like all new. You have new types of horizontal connections. Do what? I said, uh, our horizontal connections have just the pathway has yeah, changed. Yeah, the pathways changed. And, and the light is not always on the path to see where to go. And that's, I think, part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because this is a good conversation. I, I, I just think it's, it's worthy to take some of the time in our class to do that because this is part of the new reality, and yet the spiritual reality is this. See, this is a spiritual reality, that I'm not, so I'm not going to lose that spiritual reality, but the way that we deliver it has been significantly changed. And a lot of us, me, are trying to figure out, well, how do I do that? Because the strength for me has always been face-to-face, person-to-person, relationship-to-relationship, eyeball-to-eyeball. In my counseling practice, I'm doing 50% on Zoom, or some form of that. The rest of it is in person. So eventually, people got tired of being on Zoom, and so did I. And so then we all sort of decided we can do this face-to-face. But obviously, there's people out of town and other places, and that the the Zoom thing works for that. I mean, so that's a good thing. But um, it's way different. It is way different. Yeah, I was telling somebody the other day that when I'm do marriage counseling, I need to have the husband and the wife in the same picture, as opposed to a Zoom, where you'd have this little box and that little box. And the reason for that is that when the husband is saying something really stupid, I need to see the look on the wife's face. And that will tell me exactly where she is on what he just said. And you can't do that on Zoom because you have a box here and a box there. So anyway, there's some things that you just have to do. Okay? All right. Very good. Give you a little... A little window into my world, too, here. So Now, let's go with verse 15. That'll be the one that we end with today. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Of what comfort is that, ultimately? Why is that so critical, this idea that I didn't choose him, I didn't choose, I'm the branch, and I didn't choose the vine. The vine chose me. Why is that important? It reminds us who's in charge and we don't have
2: to worry if we're going to be able to keep this going.
1: So it says that the strength of the graft is in the vine, not in the branch. So that's a good one. I like that one. Okay, what else?
2: Well, we're important capable of love until God shows us how to love So Jesus' is love choosing us and loving us is absolutely necessary before we can come to him. We're not incapable of
1: that. And so what that says is is that any of our coming to him is a response to his coming to us. See? that because I didn't choose him, I didn't make a decision to come to him, he came to me, then I don't have to worry if I was sincere enough in the moment when we connected or that I did it for the right reason or that maybe my I had doubts at the moment I did it. See, when, when the emphasis is on me choosing him, then ultimately there's always gonna be a question of did I do it for the right reason? Did I do it out of guilt? Did I do it because I knew that it would please everybody in my family? Did I do it because everybody was looking at me and that was the moment when I needed to do it? No, I don't have to worry about that because I didn't choose him. He chose me. That's a cool thing. See, that's one of the things why In Lutheran Church, we make a big deal about infant baptism because in infant baptism, the infant is not choosing Jesus. In fact, the infant is screaming and saying, you know, get away from me, all right? Something like that. Sinful nature shows up. But, yeah, but that's the beauty of that, is that it isn't about me choosing him, it's about him choosing me and then me responding in faith and getting the fruit to go with it. Somebody else said their. Yeah, Pop. I was just saying,
2: essentially the same thing. What it means is it doesn't depend on my
1: emotions and my feelings. That's right. It depends on Christ. Have you noticed how much today people are really focused on their feelings as opposed to truth? You might you might just want to listen to listen to people talk about Um, how they determine what's important to them or what's not important or what's offensive or whatever is based almost entirely now on people's feelings. And feelings come and go. And feelings are up and down. And feelings are real. But you cannot trust everything your feelings are telling you. And that's the difference between reality and perception. Okay? So let me leave you with a great quote I've been leaving everybody with this great quote this week. It's not did not originate from me. I heard it on NPR, so there right away is a biased statement right there. It's a disclaimer. But this is a great, this is a great quote, okay? Don't let the perfect get in the way of the good. Don't let the perfect get in the way of the good. I think sometimes, me, maybe you, think to ourselves, everything has to be perfect before I'm going to do something. There's a lot of good you can do as a Christian that will be imperfect. So do it anyway. And don't think to yourself, oh, I've got to make it just so, just so perfect, and then I'll do it. Right? Don't need to. Because what does God do? He takes everything that we do, all the imperfect stuff, and what does he do? He turns it into? Good. Great way to close today, huh? That's a super quote. I've been telling everybody that. And the more I say it to other people, the more I have to do it myself, right? (laughs) Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the, the gift of your word. Lord, it is an understatement to say these are crazy times and we're trying to figure it out as we go. Somebody once said we're building a house while we live in it. That is exactly what it is. So we know, Lord, you're in charge. We know that you know all things and you are the loving God that leads us and shows us the way. So help us to trust in that, but help us to be willing to look at what we might need to sacrifice for the sake of our relationship with you and to engage in loving others. We can only do that with you as the source, with you as our help. So watch over us this week, dear Lord. Be with us who are here and those that are listening in on our podcast. And we pray that uh, the good things that uh, you will make happen through the fruit that you bestow upon us is our opportunity to live and to share you. Watch over us this week until we're together again. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room. Here at Messiah Lutheran Church, our mission statement is sharing his light. That means sharing the light that is Jesus Christ and telling others about his gospel. If you want to join us in that mission, Please share this podcast with someone that may want to come and better know the light of Jesus. Use one of our past episodes as a starting point to start a discussion with someone, or use a past series as a personal Bible study or devotional for your family or small group. If we've given any value to you at all, consider leaving this podcast a rating and review on iTunes. That will help us climb the iTunes rankings so we may better spread the reassuring good news of Jesus Christ and continue to share his light with anyone willing to listen. Thank you again so much for listening, and until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.